You are listening to Building the Future, Green Building in the New Millennium, brought to you by SustainableHomesOfTheFuture.com. I'm your host, Ian Sollenberger, and this podcast is for anyone that wants to collaborate and learn more about how to design and construct energy-efficient buildings for an environmentally sustainable future. If you have questions about how to design and build with a lower environmental impact, or you'd like to come on our show as a guest, please email me directly at info at shf, that's sustainable homes of the future, shfbuild.com. Visit our website at shfbuild.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at shfbuild. Our mission with this podcast is to inspire you, our listeners, to go out and be sustainability advocates. Share these ideas so we can truly push this industry forward. We need each and every one of you to help us build the future today. Good morning. My name is Ian Sollenberger. Welcome to the Building Our Future podcast, uh, where we'll be talking about all kinds of stuff, but um, eh, tackling a pretty big subject today. Sustainability. What is sustainability anyway? Who knows? We're going to talk about that. Um, But I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of background on me. Um, As I said, my name is Ian, and I'm the Managing Director of Sustainable Homes of the Future, Um, shf.build, if you want to check us out online. Excuse me, shfbuild.com. We got started, my my founder and CEO got started designing in the single family space uh, in 2015 on a property she owned. And um, through the course of the next couple of years of designing that project, she really fell in love with uh, the idea of, of sustainable building and green building and kind of just did it did a deep dive into the different uh, methodologies and systems and materials that go into that. Um, got really inspired, uh, brought me on as managing director. And since then, um, we have kind of transitioned into the commercial uh, mixed-use multifamily space as well um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, the main reason is that it has a bigger impact. You know, when you're talking about sustainability and the built environment, you know, you're only affecting maybe four or five people in a single-family home. Um, When you're talking about a a building like the project we're working on right now, which is almost 50 units, you know, there's over 100 people that would be living there in the residential section. And then another, you know, who knows how many a week, hundred, couple hundred a week uh, interacting with the commercial part of the building. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there for um, for uh, making a difference, you know, having a bigger impact. Um, there's also more beneficiaries. Uh, there's also more cost savings in a larger project like that, and especially when it comes to the upfront cost of, of systems and uh, sustainability methods and, and kind of building a little bit differently, um, not just to code, but above code, building for future code. Uh, you know, the, the key to that is you need to get buy-in. You need to have people that are willing to put in a little bit of extra capital at the beginning of a project to realize some savings on the back end. Uh, and, and that's not exactly easy to do. Uh, there's more stakeholders. There's more people uh, putting in more time, more money to actually get the project done. Uh, and so, you know, they're looking for for quicker return on investment. Um, so that's why some of these that's why uh, the sustainable building uh, market is still only about three or four percent. Last I checked of of the overall you know, building market in, in, uh, in the U.S. So there's a lot of opportunity for growth. Um, which obviously as a startup we love, um, but 
you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about why sustainability. Why does it matter, right? I mean, I talked a little bit about uh, about the beneficiaries and you know, bigger projects, bigger impact. But you know, we really need a huge <laughs> impact. We need not just 40, 50 units here. I mean, Santa Monica has to add nine thousand units over the next uh, few years. That's what's coming down the pike. Um, L.A., San Francisco. I mean, we're talking about millions of units that are needed here. And, uh, you know, 40% of U.S. carbon use actually comes from the building industry, buildings and the, the processes and, and manufacturing that goes into creating buildings. Um, so a couple percentage points, a 15% you know, reduction in carbon emissions in that sector can have a pretty big impact on the overall uh you know, emissions of the United States. Um, I did a little bit of research here, you know, finding some quotes some definitions of what other people think sustainability is. I'll tell you what I think it is uh, in just a bit. But in 1987, so we're talking 32 years ago, um, there was a a group, the Our Common Future um, was a a document put out, a study done and a document put out by the UN. um, And they said that sustainable development is defined as development that, quote, meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. And I've heard that before, um, not just related to that document, but I guess that's where it started. Uh, what's interesting is, you know, we're, we're about to add three billion people globally in the next 30 years. That's a billion people per, per decade over the next three decades. That's an absolutely phenomenal number of people um, and the, you know, the word's still out or the, uh, you know, basically the, the, uh, jury's still out on, you know, whether more people is a good thing or a bad thing. You have different camps. Um, but what I think we can all agree on is that, uh, most of those people, a lot of those people, a large percentage of that 10 billion people in 2050 will be living in cities, um, you know, only recently, only within the last, I think, 10 or 15 years did uh, urban dwelling surpass rural dwelling in the, in the um, I think it was either U.S. or the world. I can't remember. But, um, you know, the, the things that we're working on right now in Santa Monica, that we're working on in L.A. and California to provide housing for folks, those are going to be the model for what developing countries uh, are going to be doing in the next 30 years. And so we have this great, great opportunity as uh, Americans, as innovators, as um, you know, designers of the built environment here in our neck of the woods to really make a huge impact globally as well. Um, there's, you know, how do we measure sustainability, I guess, is a, another another question. And, you know, I, I gave that definition for sustainable development, but there's a lot of other different kinds of sustainability. And I'll talk about that. Um, but, you know, there, one way, way to measure sustainability is uh, they started doing this thing in, in 1987, actually, the same year that that U.N. Uh, document came out. The, uh, Earth Overshoot Day. And that is where. The bioavailability of the Earth for the year, you know, measured by a number of different statistics, but based on you know how many resources we have on the Earth to support human life, divided by our ecological, our per-person ecological impact, and then multiplied by 365. So it's like how many resources are available to us? You know, what's the Earth got? 
how much are we spending? It, it's a banking analogy if, if you want to. You know, it's like you've got your debits line and your credits line. And at what point during the year do you spend all your money? And then you're kind of screwed for the next the next year. Hopefully, most of us just deal with that on a monthly basis, <laughs> not a yearly basis. But, you know, anybody that's had a flexible spending account or anything like that knows, you know, all right, well, it's normally the other way. you got to use it at the end of the year. And that's, that's where we want to be. You know, we want to be in a place where we have excess resources, not, um, you know, not enough. Uh, so anyway, Earth Overshoot Day, when they first started measuring it, you know, we still weren't making it to the end of the year. We were October uh, 29th, I believe, of 1987. So we almost made it, you know, we only had about two months to go, right? November and December um, that year. And by 2019, it had gone all the way three months earlier to July 29th. That's pretty staggering. You know, over a 30-year period, we could move three full months. I mean, it, it just means that consumerism has uh, gotten to the point where it's, you know, it's running rampant. And we all know that. Um, to a certain degree, but are we willing to change our particular habits and our particular approach um, to life and, and sort of find a new balance? I don't know. Um, I struggle with that on a daily basis. I'm sure you all do too. And so it, go a little bit into like my personal ideas about sustainability here. You know, what was my first uh, foray into like the idea of living simply or, or living with less? Um, I visited uh, a friend and his wife, uh, Mike, Farmer Mike, I called him. Um, when I was living in North Carolina about seven years ago, I visited this intentional community that, that he and his wife lived at. And everybody had built their own homes. They had a community center in the middle. So it was this, you know, very, it was called Earth Haven. Uh, if that you know brings up any connotations for you of like the type of person that was there, they were definitely hippies. There was not a lot of deodorant. There was this one huge dude who was like super jacked, who only ate raw meat and like kept it in the cupboard. It was super weird. Uh, my first experience with a composting toilet, <laughs> uh, which was just a bucket with sawdust, pretty much, um, definitely opened my eyes to you know a different style of life, a different lifestyle for sure. Um, but I bring that up to say, you know, that is at the very, very far end of the spectrum. I mean, we, maybe we've heard of cob cottages or straw bale construction or hempcrete. I mean, those things are great. And if if some of those, um, you know, a couple green building conferences I've been to now, uh, I've met some people from like the hempcrete space. Uh, and they're working on doing more of like a stiff board insulation uh, out of out of hemp. And, and so, you know, the ideas are coming. The innovators are there. They're working on it. But bringing it to market is a whole different thing. Um, and, you know, so so the, the technology's there, the the ingenuity's there. What we're really struggling with right now, specifically in the building sector, um, and probably in other sectors as well, is just getting that buy-in and really transitioning the market so that it is reflecting what you know individual consumers' uh, ideals really are. Because I think there's a disconnect between what we think we want and what we actually want when given the opportunity. You know, when we have money, where where does our money go? Does it go toward uh, you know sustainability? Does it go toward saving and you know toward a, a certain goal of, of minimalism or helping others or does it go towards those things or does it go toward fast fashion and um 
you know, cheap products that, that we know we can replace easily. And I think there's a disconnect there. There certainly is for me. Uh, so here's a, a fun, Paul Hawken is an environmentalist. Uh, and here's a fun quote that he defines sustainability as um, ensuring the future of life on earth and the endless expression of generosity on behalf of all. Isn't that nice? <laughs> I think so. Uh, it's an infinite goal. You know, it's one, we're not going to get to a certain point where all of a sudden we've arrived and carbon's not a problem anymore. I mean, this is, we're on the edge, we're teetering on the edge here. And, and this is a boundary that we're going to be uh, probably playing with and regulating against and um, innovating for, and designing for, for, for decades to come. Um, as I said, you know, we have an opportunity right now in the beginning stages of this to, to really have a big impact in the future. Um, our company is called Sustainable Homes of the Future. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're very, very dedicated and uh, invested in figuring out better ways, better systems, um, better design approach uh, when building a building or any, any kind of building and looking at all the uh, you know, applicable knowledge that, that we have about the site, about, you know, weather patterns and taking all those things into consideration when building a, a building and not just saying, oh, well, this works here. So let me, you know, in the style of the strip mall, just slap them across the U.S. until nobody needs them anymore. And then they're just buildings that are sitting there doing nothing. Um, so, you know, that's a really high high ideal definition of sustainability, I think. Um, maybe a, a one that's a little bit more palatable here. Making sure that Earth is healthy and vibrant for years to come. Um, I think that we could probably, regardless of political persuasion, all get behind that. Um, humankind living in harmony with the environment. That's that's another kind of lofty one, I feel like. Like, what does harmony really mean? I guess, you know, th that's a bigger discussion. Um, I like I like this one. This is interesting. Uh, at its core, this is Gina McCarthy, the uh, I believe former administrator for the for the EPA, US EPA. At its core, the issue of a clean environment is a matter of public health. That's one that I like because it, it, it talks less about the future and living in harmony and these sort of lofty ideals, and really focuses on no, this is a matter of uh, survival of public health. I mean. Uh, we spend 90, humans spend 90% of our time indoors. And we're so concerned about outdoor air quality. You know, we talk about smog in LA and, you know, polluted this and polluted that. But what we don't realize is that actually the indoor air quality in our homes is 10 to 100 sometimes. I've seen some pretty staggering statistics. Uh, worse than the outdoor environment, than the outdoor pollution. I mean, by and large, if you just open your window and let some fresh air flow into your home, it, it's going to be cleaner air than you're breathing on a normal basis because you we have all of these uh you know refrigerants and leaking gas pipes that we don't know about you know even if it's only one percent leakage you know it doesn't have to be much to really create a, a toxic environment inside and um, volatile organic compounds you know you have uh vocs as they're referred to in paints in caulk in um and tape and adhesives and carpets and furniture and all sorts of things that are inside the spaces that we're working and living. Um, and it's kind of scary, you know, and my goal here is not to scare anybody. 
at all by any means. I think I think we're we're gonna have way more success kind of tackling these problems by uh, by by coming at it from a how do we solve the problem instead of how do we who do we blame you know how do we focus on how complex the problem is how do we, if we focus on the problem we're getting more problems if we focus on solutions I think we'll get more solutions and and it's already happening um, you know you notice a lot these days you you see uh, companies coming out startups coming out that have a social impact uh, aspect, you know, and there's social impact investment funds, there's social impact, you know, NGOs have been around for a long time, but now, you know, they're, they're less uh, off grid, shall we say, and, and more, you know, opportunity to do something, um, you know, as evidenced by a Tom's shoes or something, you know, and the model doesn't always work out exactly. But uh, the idea, you know, that we can help people by selling things is there. And so my working definition of sustainability is uh, a Venn diagram. It's, it's three circles. It's people, profit, and planet. All three of those having an equal stake. Um, so you put those three circles together and where the, where the three connect. If you're unfamiliar with the Venn diagram, then uh, you came to the right place. Uh, you know, where those three circles connect, people, profit, and planet, that is where sustainability lies is in that that realm of you know doing something that is going to still inspire growth but the proper kind of growth a slow um steady growth not a not a growth that's unsustainable by definition that's sustainability is getting rid of things that are unsustainable and our current level of growth is unsustainable um it's great for all those who have money in the stock market. It's great if you happen to start a business and you know, you're looking to scale quickly. Like This is a perfect time to be in that. But as you're thinking about those things, as you're thinking about scaling quickly, you also, as a business, would need to be thinking about, all right, well, what happens when that scaling slows? You know, where do we find new markets? Where do we find emerging markets? What are, and so you know, those questions are the ones that, uh, that really need to be focused on and people need to be intentional about. Um, so clearly we're talking about all kinds of stuff. We're talking about the built environment, we're talking about the economy, we're talking about um, global development, we're talking about sp- specifically you know, buildings and building one singular building. Um, so really, in reality, you know, what is sustainability anyway? It, it, in reality, the definition of sustainability depends a lot on the context in which you're speaking about it. So you know, sustainable earth, it means we, we want our earth to be healthy and vibrant, for years to come, as I said, sustainable business is one that is able to, uh, you know, find that joining of people, profit, and planet. Um, a sustainable economy, you know, is one maybe that focuses on long-term growth rather than short-term growth. Um, but there's also there's ideas about this, a circular economy and a donut economy. I've heard a lot of different terms. I'm, I'm not an economist. Um, by any means. So I don't claim to be an expert on that, but I do hope to maybe have some folks on at some point that uh, could shed a little light on the economic situation and and some of the sustainable economy uh, ideas and innovations that are out there. Um, Sustainable homes and buildings, we're going to obviously be focusing on that. Uh, But really, all of these together create the opportunity for a sustainable future. And that's what we're really interested in. 
Um, it starts now. It starts now with caring about health of, of everybody and caring about, you know, uh, access to housing and caring about all those things um, in the built environment. But, but you know, it, 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 it's not about building or growing today. It's about how we can continue to be growing and building 10, 15, 20, 50 years from now. Um, <clears throat> so sustainable buildings, what's next? for uh, both our podcast and for the building industry. Um, we're going to be talking in some episodes to come about uh, prefabricated design, um, storage containers and their use in the built environment, uh, cross-laminated timber uh, as a use in structural, as a structural element, um, maybe would help us move away from steel and aluminum a little bit, uh, which are highly uh, carbon-intensive processes. Uh, one of the things that I'm really passionate about and we at our company are, are really passionate about is bringing all electric construction to the West Coast. Uh, they're doing a lot in, in the South right now um, in a big way. Uh, I think the climate zone has something to do with it. But um, yeah, it's, it's just smart business. You can actually save money by not having gas lines in your building and not having to hook up to gas because you're paying a premium. You're not actually paying for what the gas costs and what it costs to hook up the gas. You're, you're subsidizing to some degree the, the overall um, <clears throat> industrial uh, infrastructure that the gas companies need in order to deliver gas around the country. So, you know, you're funding the next huge gas manufacturing plant uh, or delivery plant. Um, you're not just paying for your house to get hooked up. So there's a lot of cost savings that can be realized there. There's also um, incredible efficiency now in electric appliances um, that are way more efficient than anything that the gas has been able to provide, natural gas or coal or anything like that. So um, we're going to talk about some of those details. Uh, and I just want to throw out there, if you're into this kind of thing, if you're into, you know, innovation, new ideas. Um, there's a great book that I've been reading recently by Steven Johnson called Where Good Ideas Come From. Um, it's a fantastic book about, uh, about yeah, where good ideas come from um, and how, you know, in cities and in the internet, he kind of makes this metaphor that cities and the internet are the same thing on, on different, um, different environments, but that they both create a kind of a liquid network where, Ideas can sort of spring forth and be adopted and be shifted laterally from, uh, you know, different market to different market before somebody kind of eventually arrives uh, on a, you know, million dollar or uh, really groundbreaking idea. Um, and what's cool about that, and we're going to talk about this more in the next episode, we're going to talk about uh, the future of building design specifically uh, and the design approach. Uh, there's something called integrative design. Um, and what the integrative process or integrative design is, is bringing together all of the different um, stakeholders, the different people who have financial interest in a particular uh, project or building, uh, all the different uh, folks with different ideas, uh, new systems, you know, just bringing all the creativity um, and all the stakeholders to the table at the beginning of the process and designing for a cost efficient build um, instead of what's been done 
so many times over the last you know 50 60 years where construction and the construction industry really hasn't made too many moves forward um you know specific systems yes but on the whole you know 90 percent of projects are still you know pretty traditional in the way they're done there's a lot of redundancy and so coming together and saying okay what are all these aspects site design you know different options different ideas for how to heat and cool the building um based on the climate that it's in based on the direction that the building's faced based on uh local codes and you know requirements as far as uh building and zoning goes so all of those things come together and if you can get everybody to a table you know for a design charrette uh, the french word c-h-a-r-r-e-t-t-e um a meeting of all the stakeholders basically then you can get the best ideas to the table at the beginning and you can tackle some of those problems that would be way more costly if you didn't figure them out until later on in the process so i'm really excited about talking about all this stuff obviously it's not just going to be me the entire time uh i will have guests on and uh, we're going to be doing a video series that kind of breaks down some of these and is a little more visual uh to accompany the the sort of overview podcast but building our future um the name of our podcast and sustainable homes of the future is the name of our company www.shfbuild.com um really happy to have been here hope that i provided some kind of interest or value to you know folks out there that may be interested in learning more about uh, either sustainability as a whole or um, green building and sustainable buildings so thanks so much for listening and uh, that's all she wrote for now this is ian signing off have a great day